church family. Um, if you have your Bibles, please open it to Nehemiah chapter 8. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8. Uh, one of the blessings of being able to be a pastor of this church is that I get the privilege to be able to spend a lot of time diving into Scripture, uh, and not just for the sake of my own soul, although that is uh, really first where it needs to take place, but then uh, secondly, to be able to teach this on a regular basis. And the reason why I did this devotional is not necessarily, I don't consider this preaching per se, but this is more like a devotion for all of us to be able to hear from God and know how we can just think about His Word uh, and meditate on His truths on a regular basis. And I hope that this is an encouragement to you uh, throughout the um, time that I've been doing this. And and our church is unique, and, and I mean unique in the sense that our church do hold the Scripture in a high regard. And, um, and that's something that I hope that our church is able to continue until the Lord returns. Uh, there are churches that has have given up that front over time. They believe that uh, ministry is all about uh, uh, programs and um, events and, and different things. Uh, we see a lot of the modern churches that are more focused on self-help as opposed to um, the scriptures. And uh, in this portion of Nehemiah, you see how God's word is impacted in the lives of the people. I remember at the last chapter, they, uh, Nehemiah got a list of census again to, of all the people that should return. Some of them were, uh, uh, were designed for Levitical priest purposes. Others are uh, just general people that are returning. And there was also a group of people that wanted to return but are not allowed to return to be a priest because they couldn't find uh, where they were from. Uh, again, this is not an ethnic reason. It's more of a covenantal reason. It's more of a religious reason. Um, some of these people claim that they were followers and they're not. And then throughout this entire book, we see how Nehemiah went against all of the opposition. He went against those that wanted to stop him from building and rebuilding the, the wall. And uh, Nehemiah's faithfulness is what eventually gets him to finish. And now at this point, um, one thing that they're going to do, the first thing after they finish everything, is to actually learn from the Word of God. And that's what we get here in, ne in Nehemiah chapter 8. Now, it begins here. And all the people gathered as one man at the square, which was in front of the water gate, and they asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. Now this Ezra is the same Ezra as the last chapter, so this is some time, This is why both these books, actually before, uh, this book actually was one book, um, but uh, you know the way that we organize it, we like to kind of you know, divide it chronologically. But so this, so Ezra, same Ezra from before, he's the guy that, uh, that I mentioned, that he, uh, the one who learned God's word, the one who applied God's word to his life and now and teaches God's word. And we see that here. He's teaching the people. And what's really cool is that they, they the people wanted this. They wanted Ezra to go and bring to them the book of the uh, law of Moses. And, and again, this Nehemiah kind of, kind of sits on the sideline here because he is not a, a, a priest or a prophet. He's just a politician. He did all that he needed to do and he, he stepped aside and let the the preacher really do what he what um, what the preacher is supposed to do. Verse two. Then Ezra the priest brought <coughs> brought, uh, brought the law before the assembly of men, women, all who could listen with understanding, 
of, on the first day of the seventh month. So it's implied that um, they brought everyone, even little children, who could at least understand what he's saying. Verse 3, he read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of men and women, those who could understand all the people were attentive to the book of the law. So, um, you know, that's really cool. The people wanted to listen. They, they listened, and they're very attentive. Verse 4, the scribe stood at the wooden, wooden podium, which they had made for the, per, for the purpose, which beside him stood Matthiah, Shemna, Ananiah, Uriah, Helica, and Messiah on his right, and, the, and Pediah, Mishael, Malachijah, Hashem, Hashbadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left side. So the reason why uh, Nehemiah is up there and here's like a group of people like, you know, his homeboys and posse is not necessarily just because like he needs like a choir group or something. Um, but no, these people were were priests that uh, were really supposed to help him disseminate the truth. You know, they didn't have amplification back then, so they needed other people to, you know, kind of, it's not like, I guess it would be like when we talk about telephone, but these people basically just recited um, God's word to them, you know. He, uh, uh, Ezra is known as someone that, that was able to have actually the whole um, Old Testament memorized, or the Torah at the time, it had everything memorized, and he's just reading it now. Uh, he has the ability to memorize, but in this case, he's reading it. Um, and some people think that the reason why he, has, he also has all these people is because, you know, basically he needs backup. Because uh, if you think about reading the entire Old Testament, it will take you several hours, and... I think there will be an interesting exercise if you and I can try to do this. Just from Genesis all the way to Deuteronomy, can we sit or stand and read through it straight through, at one one shot, one shot, one time through, without any without stopping? That's what Ezra is doing. Uh, he has a group of people that can help him both in terms of uh, declaring the truth to other people that are uh, that are you know, further away, as well as help him when he needs to uh, you know take a break. Uh, uh, verse 5, Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. Then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen. While lifting up their hands, they bowed, uh, and then they bowed low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jimin, Akub, Sheb, Shebatai, Hobdiah, Messiah, uh, Kelita, Kelita, Azariah, Zo, Zo, Josabad, Hannah, Peliah, the Levites, explained the law to people while the people remained in their place. They read the book from the law, translating to give the sense so that they understood the reading. So what's really cool is that, you know, there were people here that might, may not know um, Hebrew, and there might be some that were, you know, they're Aramaic speaking, um, you know, because they were in exile for a while, and uh, they needed to do some sort of translation work, or they there might be certain passages that just seem so foreign to them, like it is to us, and these people explain and kind of give the sense, try to make it so that it's digestible to make so that people can understand what the what God expects of them. Then Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest, and the scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people. This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. And it's really fascinating is that when they understood who God is, when they had a clear picture of who God is, they were moved to, to tears. And you know, they were trying to tell them, no, this is not time for you to cry 
um, we should be thankful. We should, it's a joyful time. And, you know, you have to understand, like, um, some of these people cried because they, they started to realize how great God is. Other people cried because they were convicted of their sin. And, you know, we can't discern from the outset which one is which. But they were weeping, and then um, they told them to basically stop crying, to enjoy life, to have a party, to celebrate. See verse 10. Then he said to them, Go, eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. All the people went away to eat, to, to drink, to send portions, and to celebrate a great festival, because they understood the words which had been made known to them. Verse 13, Then on the second day, the heads of the father's household of all the people, the priests and the Levites, were gathered to Ezra the scribe, that they might gain insight into the word words of the law. So again, they want to learn more about God's word, and then the result is that they realized there was something that they were not doing. Verse 14, they found themselves in the law, how the, they found written in the law how the Lord had commanded through Moses that the sons of Israel should live in booths during the feast of the seventh month. So they proclaimed and circulated a proclamation in all the cities in Jerusalem, saying, Go out to the hills and bring olive branches and wild olive branches, myrtle branches, palm branches, and branches of other leafy trees to make booths, as it is written. So the people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts, in the courts of the house of God and in the square of the water gate and in the square of the gates of Ephraim. So what's the point of all this feast of booth thing here? Uh, so the feast of booth was, was supposed to be a constant reminder for the Jews that they were at one point a nomadic people. They were you know, wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. They were living in tents before they were able to go into the promised land. And it's supposed to show, remind them and make them remember of how their life was. And even before that, they, they, were, they were in Egypt. You know, they were slaves. <coughs> even before that, you know, when Abraham was there, they were all, yeah, they didn't have their own like city, um, but they were all just a tribe of nomads just going from place to place, living in tents. And this is what to remind them of how far they've come because of God's faithfulness. Verse 17, the entire assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in there. The sons of Israel had indeed not done so from the days of Joshua, the sons of Nun, to that day. And there was a great rejoicing. So again, if you look at your Bible, just look at it and see, okay, this is Nehemiah. The last time they did this was the book of Joshua. Just, this is like hundreds of years later. They haven't done any of this type of celebration for hundreds of years, even the time when I mean, the implication here is that even when David and Solomon were reigning, they didn't do any of this. So even the best kings failed to do this, what they're doing right now. And they're finally doing it. And they're doing it with great rejoicing. Verse 18, he read from the book of the law of the God daily from the first day to the last. And they celebrated the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the ordinance. Yeah, these are ceremonial laws that they're finally practicing. They weren't able to do it before because they were in captivity. And even before that, they were just disobedient. Uh, so now they finally were able to do this. They're finally able to uh, understand what God's word has to say. And that moved them to obey him and to celebrate uh, what God has done for them. So there's a sense, and when you're reading through this, there's an importance of God's word. God's word is the in this chapter is really the, the main character. It just shows up and then uh, it, 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 it's preached, it moves the people and they respond to it. And that's actually going to be our outline this week. We need to understand in our life the importance of God's word. 
in our time, especially in our day where there is just so many distractions, we need to understand that when we hear God's words preach, whether especially when it's something like Sunday worship, that we need to take that seriously. There is importance of God's word in our life. And we're going to go from the big picture in terms of um, corporate worship to even your own private devotion. There is <clears throat> there is something important. About, God's word must be important and center in your own life. So the three applications we'll look at this week is first the preaching of God's word. Then we'll look at the delight, look at delighting in God's word. And lastly, we'll look at the response to God's word. God's word takes center stage in the life of the Israelites, and it should take center stage in our lives as well. I look forward to the study, and I hope that this is helpful and encouraging and edifying, even at times even convicting to some of you. Thanks for listening. Have a blessed day. <music>